Welcome to Those Catholic Shrinks with Lisa and Regina. Your favorite podcast about mind, body, and soul. Welcome. (laughs) This is Lisa, and you're listening to Those Catholic Shrinks with Lisa and Regina. (laughs) Today's podcast is Fact or Fiction. Remember that old show, guys? (laughs) From like 90s. Fact or fiction, anyone out there, shout out any uh, old fact or fiction watchers. I heard that was a pretty creepy show. It was so scary. <laughs> for me, it was scary. I don't know if it was scary for everybody. Uh, I love it. I think I watched um, uh, Unsolved Mysteries. That's Ooh. the one that, that creeped me out. Yes, yes. Uh, it was very similar to Unsolved Mysteries, but there were always two fictional stories and one fact, and you had to guess mm. which one was the actual mystery oh i love it well before we get into what today's podcast looks like yes might i ask what you're drinking today we are drinking i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing this brand correctly but puka Ooh. p-u-k-k-a puka peppermint and licorice tea Hmm. it is divine especially if you are a fan of licorice (laughs) 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 like myself I collect all the black jelly beans from anyone who doesn't like it. <laughs> that makes Easter awesome for you. It's great. Everyone wants to get rid of the black jelly beans. That's all I ever want to eat. <laughs> um, but it's really well balanced. I would say it's not too strong on the licorice flavor. Yeah. It just kind of gives a little zing I like that. to the peppermint. I also like their tagline, a sweet and deliciously refreshing organic thrill. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this tea is quite thrilling. It's very thrilling. And sorry, Trader Joe's, I got this from Publix. Oh. <laughs> we broke our... <laughs> it's because our sponsorship check still hasn't come in. <laughs> Trader Joe's was winning. They had a winning streak for a while, but we broke the streak. We had to change it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all, seriously, Publix, Puka, like, I'm not joking. They have... <laughs> They have so many good teas. Uh, Regina is definitely the tea connoisseur out of the two of us, so I would trust her opinion. (laughs) Okay, so much like our tea is thrilling, I'm hoping this podcast is thrilling. (laughs) Um, So we're going to make it into a little game, actually. Ooh, okay. So much like fact or fiction, it's a fun game I like to play with the teenagers, actually. Like, if you have, like, ten minutes, you're like, what do I do with this group of teenagers? Mm -hmm. Um, In camp, we called it Two Truths and a Lie. Mm -hmm. This one, Mm -hmm. we're going to do a little bit more than that, so it's just fact or fiction. Um, So we'll read some facts, but one of them is fiction. Mm. And so you have to decide. So I will say at the beginning, I'm going to add a caveat to just this one, is one of these is a fiction some of the times. Okay. So we'll start so by... It's a, it's a challenge. It's going to be a challenge. Yes, this isn't going to be easy. Um, so we'll read you what are facts, and you have to decide which one is the actual fiction. Okay, so we got four facts. These are fun facts about mental health. One in five Americans lives with mental illness. Hmm. Stress shrinks the brain. Mm. Mental illness is lifelong, not curable. Mm. And those who grew up watching black and white TV often dream in black and white. Three of these are fact. One is a fiction, sometimes true. (laughs) So take a moment. Jeopardy music. Cue the Jeopardy music. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and you get to decide 
And then we're going to go through each of them. It's really fun. All right, so <clears throat> let's break down number one. Uh, one in five Americans live with a mental illness. Mm -hmm. This is... Fact. Fact, believe it or not. And one in five sounds like a lot, but um, it's true. And usually they, the statistics are based off any given year, right? So mm -hmm. it's and one in five in, of any person in any given year yeah. could have... Live be living with a diagnosable mental illness, right? So, for example, if last year somebody you were very close to happened to pass away and you struggled with that, last year you could have been the one in five mm. struggling with depression, right, for that time period, and now you're in a place where maybe not so much anymore. Yeah. Um, or, you know, just statistically, a more long-standing uh, type of illness. Yeah. Um, also falls on that one in five. So nearly 60% of adults with a mental illness do not receive or did not receive any mental health services um, in the previous year. Yeah. And that I think that explains why the statistic is so high. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's crazy. I think you can just think of five people that you know, and one of them probably, well, no, think of 10 people you know, Two of them probably have struggled with mental health this year, mm -hmm. and one of them didn't receive help for it. Exactly. That's basically what all of that means. 60%, that's huge. I mean, think about how many people, and anyone at your workplace, anywhere that you volunteer, in your own family. Yeah. I mean, 60% of those one in five, right, did not receive help. I mean, think about how many people are walking around right now having to deal with something very difficult on their own and trying to solve it on their own. Yeah. And what could be the consequences of that? Yeah, well, I think we're seeing a lot of the consequences. I mean, you read the newspaper in the morning, mm -hmm. and it's just really intense, all the things that are happening. You watch the news, and it's just... Um, even working here at the school, I see our, our teenagers' anxieties going through the roof. Yeah. Um, you know, I hear a lot from pastors when I'm talking to pastors of different churches, them talking about how mental health is so needed right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's because of we're looking at these statistics. Absolutely. Um, is that 60% of people are not getting the help they need for a very stressful society that we're living in right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So true. Fact. Fact. So number two, stress shrinks the brain. This one is... True. What? What? I know that one sounds that that was like the red herring. That's the one that's like doesn't shrink the brain. Right. But it's actually true. Um, you know, I think we think of like it would need to be like a traumatic brain injury for something like that. Mm. You know. Um, but in actuality, when you look at the chemicals inside of your brain, long-term stress um can actually cause chronic long-term release of certain chemicals in your brain. Um, so one of those is called cortisol. We're getting a little sciencey here. <laughs> but cortisol is the stress hormone. And it's not that like, oh my gosh, cortisol, like you should never have it in your brain ever. Like stress can actually be a good thing. Right. It can be a motivator. It's something that can push you away from dangerous or unhealthy situations. So in small doses, it's not a bad thing. Um, but what research is starting to show is that over time, if you're chronically stressed, so day in, day out, week after week, month after month, stress is just kind of the norm for you. 
um, that it can actually impair your general brain function and it can actually over time make your brain smaller. Wow. Now I'm assuming that's over years. Years and years. I mean, that's not a pleasant thought at all. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, But cortisol is actually linked with Alzheimer's, which a big part of Alzheimer's is is the deterioration of neurons in your brain. Um, So, again, this is chronic long-term. This isn't (laughs) like, oh, my gosh, I've had a really stressful week at work. My brain is smaller. No, no. Right. but if that's something that's chronically happening to you, it does right. have a physical effect on you. Right. And I think that speaks to the importance of making sure that you are engaging in self-care, taking care of yourself, taking that time to de-stress and scheduling that into your already busy life mm-hmm. um, because, so that you can prevent any type of negative effects of long-term stress. Yeah, exactly. Give your brain a break. Right. Or if you're going through a really difficult, stressful period, maybe more stressful than ordinary, making sure that you're paying attention to that and doing mm-hmm. something about it. Yeah. If it's so stressful, you're one of the one in five. Oh. Don't be part of the 60% that doesn't get help. <laughs> <laughs> Do not be. <laughs> like how I tied that into. That's good. That's good. Um, okay, next one. Number Three, fact or fiction, mental illness is lifelong and not curable. That is the tricky one. Mm -hmm. It is actually fiction most of the time. Most of the time. (laughs) So there are mental illnesses that you can recover from completely and fully. Yes. And there are some that you cannot. Nope. Like a more severe disorder like schizophrenia Mm -hmm. or bipolar. Bipolar disorder, yeah. Right. You can learn to live a completely healthy, effective life with those disorders. It can be managed with medication and treatment and therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you can have a job, you can have a family with those, but it will be something that you will always be working with. Yep. Um, But then there are others where... You can be completely cured and never think about it again. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. One of the ones that uh, I think most people talk about is the specific anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. So that's something like arachnophobia. Right, right. Perfect example. Phobias. Phobias. Um, I think sort of anxiety in general. I think anxiety might be one that you have with you as well, but it's so treatable mm-hmm. that you can get to a point where it's almost not even really yeah. a factor. Yeah, if exactly. If that makes sense. Because anxiety is a part of, will always be a part of everybody's life. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And so it's going from where it's severely impairing your functioning to, no, yes, I get anxious the same way that everybody else kind of gets anxious. I mean, right. If I don't take care of myself, like you were talking about, Mm -hmm. like maybe I could push back into that severe anxiety, but I know how to take care of myself. And so anxiety is actually, my anxiety is more the typical anxiety that most people experience. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'd say insomnia is another example. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, you can receive treatment for your insomnia and be sleeping again and Mm -hmm. it not, no longer be an issue. Yeah. A classic one we talked about in school, actually, was the childhood one, pica. So this mm-hmm. is where sometimes kids, and it comes out of nowhere, really, uh, will start 
eating things that are uh, non-nutritive. So like maybe they'll eat paper or sand. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's some kids that would eat metal, like coins and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of really research or not research, but not a lot of knowledge into why it happens. Um, but it's actually very treatable and and some pregnant women too. That's true. Yeah, yes. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eat clay and those types of things. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes it's tied to culture too. Mm-hmm. Like certain women in certain cultures are more likely to develop pica. Mm-hmm. But um, pica is something that usually remits or goes away by the end of childhood. Right. Most people who have that in childhood do not have it later into adulthood. Exactly. And then uh, another term we haven't talked about before is adjustment disorder. Mm-hmm. And that is more of a category of diagnosis that we kind of use when somebody's going through a very difficult time and are having some type of reaction, uh, emotional or behavioral, to a stressful event. So it's usually very temporary. Mm-hmm. You, For example, like my example before, if somebody passes away and you're going through that grieving process... So you might not be experiencing full-on depression where you're in your house all day and you can't get out of bed, but you are adjusting to the loss of this person. And so there are some, there's a little blip. There's, you're, you're experiencing some effects, but not severe enough to be categorized any other way. Yeah. You wouldn't like receive a diagnosis necessarily. Right. Another time adjustment disorder I find is used a lot is when, um, people transition to college, Mm. college students, freshman year, Oh, adjustment disorder. Cause it's, and I even had, I think a lot of people in the mental health community even struggle with the disorder part at the end. Right. Cause it's not really disordered. It's kind of a normal reaction to a big, huge life event. It's Mm. like, of course you're stressed out and you don't know how to like, if you're a college student, like feed yourself and you don't know how to get to class on time and <laughs> do your laundry, <laughs> do your laundry, make friends. Um, you're feeling incredibly homesick and it's like, am I depressed? Well, I mean, it, that's kind of hard to say cause you're going through this huge adjustment right. in your life right. and given time, this might go away. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or getting married, newly married. Yeah. That's anything, a big one too. Any big, any big children phase of life, yes. Yeah. Children. Yep. Exactly. Moving. That's a big one. If you move, especially if you move out of state. Right. Mm-hmm. Job change. Mm-hmm. Lots of these are kind of what precipitate uh, what we would call an adjustment disorder, which is not, it's actually in a different part of the um, the DSM for us. So it's right. not necessarily technically a diagnosis. Right. Because it's kind of known to be like, Yes, like this is gonna this is gonna go away. We know we know it will pass. Yep. It just represents that you're feeling the stress, you're feeling the effects, you might be a little on edge, you might be a little off, mm-hmm. right? But eventually it will pass, you will adjust. Yep. And everything will be fine. And so those are some great examples of yeah. what someone might consider mental illness, but are perfectly curable and not lifelong at all. Exactly. And I like that we're kind of talking about adjustment disorder too, because I think it's something we talk about in the podcast a lot, but we Mm. haven't necessarily named it that way. Mm. Where it's like, okay, well, do I have this? Well, like, am I OCD? That's that's one of the ones I hear a lot. Like, Mm. I'm so OCD. No, mm, no, you're not. You're not (laughs) OCD. I mean, yes, do you like 
like things a particular way. And when you're stressed out, yes, you go around and you clean your house. And right. now, you know, your mother-in-law just moved into the mother-in-law suite and you find yourself cleaning all the, like all the time. Like, right. no, it's not necessarily making you OCD. It's probably more of an adjustment disorder. You're really mm-hmm. having a hard time adjusting to something and cleaning is what helps you to kind right. of de-stress. And you're responding to that anxiety that you have mm-hmm. about your mother-in-law moving in and you just like things to be clean. You're an organized person. Yep. That's very different from OCD, which can be crippling and debilitating and prevent you from getting a lot done. Yep. And I'm actually wondering now that now as we're talking about it, if this kind of adjustment thing we're talking about, like this idea that it has a mental illness has to be incurable. It has to be something like schizophrenia or you're crazy Mm -hmm. is what keeps people in the one in five from going for help. Oh, yeah. Is like, okay, like, I just went to college. I'm not crazy. I don't need to go and ask a counselor for help. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't have to be crazy. I'm putting air quotes around crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not about being crazy or not right. being crazy. It's about, you and I have talked about this before. A big part of mental health is, a huge part of it is, how do you deal with stress? Mm-hmm. And if you have a huge amount of stress in your life, that is enough for you to say, mm, maybe I need to go talk to somebody Absolutely. and have them help me out. Absolutely. And so I'm wondering if that's what accounts for the 60%. Oh, yeah. I think I still think, unfortunately, there's a huge stigma, again, with our culture um, where we don't like to ask for help. Mm-hmm. We like to we don't want to feel weak or seem like we're, we can't handle things on our own. And then on top of that, no one wants to be looked at by other people as seeming to be crazy, quote unquote. <laughs> um if, or seeming to have some type of severe issue, right? What are, what does that mean if I go to a therapist or to a counselor? Does that mean, you know, am I going to, are they going to find out? Is it going to be on my record somewhere and I'm yeah. not going to get hired for this job? Or will word spread and will people look at me differently and not want their kids to be with my kids or yeah. come to my house, you know? And so absolutely, I think, unfortunately, you know, 60% of those adults who do not receive help are probably... Um, not receiving help because they're worried about what consequences could be out there. Yeah, exactly. Or a label that might be applied to them. Exactly. And what can, what's our responsibility as friends to others who are struggling? What's our responsibility to make sure that we can assure people that that label is not going to be placed and that, you know, you know, we, we care about you unconditionally. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) We love you unconditionally. Um, okay, our last one. Uh, those who grew up watching black and white TV often dream in black and white. And this is true. I can't believe this. Isn't that fun? That's a fun fact. Crazy. I never have heard this before. (laughs) So I actually was reading about this in a New York Times article. And it was saying that, so in the 1940s, they did studies and they found that three quarters, so that 75% of Americans... And that included college students um, reported rarely or never seeing color in their dreams in the 1940s. Wow. Like they did not dream in color. That's amazing. Or, or rarely dreamt in color. Wow. And But now those numbers are reversed that only a small percentage of people dream in black and white. Wow. What? That's crazy. You know what? I can't even really remember. I can't think about like... When I think about my dreams, it's hard for me to know if I dream in color or black and white. And it's probably, that 
probably means I'm dreaming in color if I don't think about it. That's true. Because I only have maybe one remember, I only remember one dream where it was black and white or like a hazy brown and white. Hmm. So that stands out to me, which means probably all my other dreams are in color. Yeah. Um, but that's very interesting. Yeah. And it's funny because growing up, I had, um, I had like one of those TVs in my room that like you had to like turn the knob mm-hmm. and it was black and white. Um, but the rest of the TVs in our house were all color. Mm. So I, but uh, you're right. I'm the same as you. I yeah. don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. But what a weird thing to affect how much, because especially in the 1940s, it's not like people were like binging on Netflix, <laughs> on black and white Netflix, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, most of their time was not watching TV. They right. watched, I'm assuming, this is an assumption, um, but I'm assuming the amount of time they watched TV was drastically less than today. Than today. Right. And it still affected their dreams that much. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. And what part of the brain is being affected by us watching TV? And not to mention that if you're not colorblind, everything else is in color around you, yeah. in the world around you. So when you're away from the TV, you would see color. Yeah. But when you're at home on the one little box, you would see <laughs> black and white, and that changes your dreams. I know. <laughs> So I just read this today. I was doing some research for this podcast and this like this this clearly this fact is still blowing my mind a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, we were making we're making this one a little challenging today. Yeah. So those are your your fun facts. One in five Americans live with mental illness. Stress does shrink the brain. Sometimes a mental illness is not curable, but oftentimes it actually is. Mm-hmm. And if you grew up with black and white TV, Send us an email <laughs> at thosecatholicshrinks at gmail.com. Yes. And let us know, do you dream in black and white? I am so <laughs> curious. <laughs> we are very curious. And, you know, send us an email anyway. Yes. <laughs> let us know what you want us to talk about. If you have any questions we can answer for you, yeah. thosecatholicshrinks at gmail.com. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Bye.